Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Schuler, and welcome to the Fortress of Truth, where we look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein by the grace of God. Jesus said, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Thank you, Lord. Today we're going to begin a teaching that I'm calling Following Our Good Shepherd. We're going to start today in John chapter 10 and verse 10. Jesus is speaking in this passage and he says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, in this passage, Jesus gives a distinct difference between the thief and what he came to do. So, let me ask you this question. Who is the thief? Well, it's obviously not Jesus because he said, I am come to do something different. Is, so, who's the thief then? Is it God the Father? Well, no, because Jesus said in many times, many places, I only do what I see the Father do. And he said in one passage in John chapter 6, I came to do the will of my Father. So if Jesus came to do one thing and the thief is coming to do something else, then obviously the thief isn't God the Father. So who is the thief then? The thief is the enemy, our adversary, Satan. And he comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if something is stealing, killing, and destroying in your life, we know where it came from. It came from the enemy. It didn't come from God. Because Jesus said, I am come that they might have life. Now who's they? Well, they are those who believe on him. Jesus said in John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he says in this verse, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now the word translated life here means literally life as God has it. So that means that Jesus came so that we who believe on him could have life as God has it and that life, that we could have that life more abundantly. Thank you, Lord. If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. You know, it, this is so simple that we need help to misunderstand it. Really, the things of God are not complicated. This is so simple that God is good, and he only ever is good, and he only ever does good. And the devil is only ever bad, and he only ever does bad. And God and the devil never swap jobs. <laughs> So Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now he goes on in this passage 
in verse 11 of John chapter 10, and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus is doing here in this passage. He says, I am the good shepherd. And then he begins talking about a hireling. So Jesus, the good shepherd, is contrasting himself with a hireling in this passage. Now, what is a hireling? A hireling is someone who is hired to take care of, in this case, sheep. So what what does that mean? Well, by implication, the hireling, he's only in it for the money, right? Because he is a hireling. He is hired to do a job. He's only in it for the money. He doesn't really care about the sheep. In fact, the sheep aren't even his sheep. So, you know, who cares what happens to the sheep? As long as I get paid, it doesn't make any difference. And so consequently, a hireling is going to run for the hills at the first sign of trouble. You know, he's going to say, hey, y'all are on your own now. It's, it's every man for himself. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to risk my life for sheep that aren't even mine. But now notice what Jesus says here in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. He said it again. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So now a hireling, Jesus said, is going to run away and he's going to leave the sheep on on their own. But now notice what he says. He says, our good shepherd, Jesus, the good shepherd will always be faithful and take good care of his own. Amen. He's never going to leave us on our own. He is always going to be with us, no matter what we're facing, no matter what circumstances are going on in life. God is always going to be with us, and he's always going to keep us and protect us when we're staying with him. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 say this, Let your conversation, or that is your manner of life, be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, that's he, God, hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Glory to God. This is good news. That no matter what we're going through in life, no matter what we're facing, God is never going to leave us. Now, it says over in the book of Numbers that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent or change. And God himself said in Psalm 89, 34, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. So when he says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, 
we can take it to the bank that he is going to be with us no matter what. He's never going to leave us no matter what. You know, sometimes people will tell you, oh, well, hey, man, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. You can count on me. I got your back. Well, you know, you go on and you hit a challenging spot in life and you look to them when they said they had your back. You look back there and they, they say, well, no, I, I got the back door. <laughs> no, no, I got the back 40. They said they were going to be with you and then all of a sudden they aren't with you. But let me tell you this. Even if every person in your life decides to leave you and just let you go on your merry way in the time of trouble, there is one person who is never going to leave you, who is never going to forsake you. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is never going to leave you no matter what. In the book of Proverbs, it talks about a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is that friend. He is. He will never leave us nor forsake us, no matter what. In fact, it's in the challenging times, if we choose to lean on him, that he is with us the strongest. He's supporting us, sustaining us, keeping us. And then it says, because the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us, it says we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You know, when we truly believe that our good shepherd is always by our side, protecting us, sustaining us, keeping us, what do we have to fear? Let me read you what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 27, 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? These are questions, and they're, they're rhetorical questions, really. He's saying, because the Lord is my light and salvation, who do I have to fear? Who is there to fear? Because the Lord is the strength of my life, who do I have to be afraid of? Well, the answer is no one. If we're truly trusting in the Lord and truly believing Him, we have no one to fear. There is nothing that we need to be afraid of because our good shepherd is right there with us, willing to keep us and protect us no matter what. Through thick and thin, he is there with us, ready to keep us and protect us. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you've accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life, you've been born again, then the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you. He is there inside you, living in you right now. And it says that he is greater than he that's in the world. Well, Satan is called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. So he is the one who's in the world. And so we know that we have on the inside of us the greater one. Hallelujah. The greater one is on the inside of us. So consequently, there is, no, there is nothing to fear. We, we don't have to fear a thing 
because he is always there with us, ready to keep us and protect us. That comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. In this passage here, Paul, the apostle, is writing to Timothy after he had just been arrested and imprisoned in Rome. So now there is some challenges going on in his life. The reason why he was arrested is because he wouldn't stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And the Roman authorities didn't like that. Now, when I say prison, this is a terrible dungeon. This isn't like our our nice prisons that we have today, where we at least have a roof over our head and we have accommodations. No, this is a dungeon, dark, dank, probably stinks. This is not a pleasant place to be. And he's there because of his because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says in 2 Timothy 1.12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. So in other words, because I keep preaching the gospel and because I won't stop, this is why I'm suffering these things. And he goes on, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. That's an important attitude for us to take. That when pressures come against us, and they will come, Things happen in life. But when they come, it is imperative that we not get ashamed of the truth, that we not back down from the truth. That's why this podcast is called Fortress of Truth. We're not going to back down from the truth. We're going to share the truth in love, but we're not going to compromise either. So we are not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ And here's why he says, Paul tells us why he's not ashamed. He goes on, for I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. That's God. I know God and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now, this is not ambiguous in any way. Paul's essentially saying, I'm putting all of my eggs in God's basket. I'm trusting God all the way, so I am completely committed to him. Now, what does that mean, being committed to him? That means I am trusting him fully, and I'm going to follow him completely. So if I commit my life to the Lord, then I am, going, I am trusting the Lord with my life And I am yielding my life to the Lord. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. I'm going to go where he wants me to go. And I'm going to stay where he wants me to stay. Because I am committed to him. I have committed myself to his care, to his direction. This is the way we need to be. We need to make the decision to completely trust God and follow God. No matter what. Going back to what Jesus said in John 10, he called himself the good shepherd. Now, notice he didn't say that he is the good cowboy. Now, there's nothing wrong with cowboys, but the difference is the technique which they use. My grandfather uh, raised beef cattle, and so I, I understand how cattle work and how you, how you uh, manage cattle. You'd never lead cattle. If you want cattle to go somewhere, you get behind them and you push them. 
So if you if you wanted to load up some cows to take to the sale barn, you need to first herd them into your corral and then run them through the chute to get them into the trailer. So, you know, and you do that, you, you usually get a stick or something and you get behind them and you holler and you slap them on the behind and say, get in there, go on. That's how you treat cattle. You drive them. Well, a shepherd doesn't do that with sheep. You don't drive sheep. That'd be like herding cats <laughs> or pushing a wet noodle. It's just not going to work. The way you get sheep to go where you want them to go is you call them and they will come running and they will follow you. And that's the way the Lord is with us. He leads us. He is our good shepherd and he leads us. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about how we are led by the Spirit of God. Now remember what I said, when you're born again, the Spirit of God is already living on the inside of you. And it says in Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So when you are a son of God, a child of God, you can be and should be led by the Spirit of God. He goes on in verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That, that word Abba is the Aramaic word for daddy. That's the closest word we have to translate that. Verse 16, the Spirit itself, or actually a better translation would be the Spirit himself, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now when it talks about bearing witness with our spirit, that is how the, we are led by the Spirit of God. He bears witness with our spirit. Now when I talk about being led by the Spirit of God, I'm not talking about hearing voices with your ears, your physical ears. That's not how the Lord leads us, usually. There are a few spectacular instances when that may happen, but for the most part, He will lead us by this inward witness. In our heart, we will have, a, have the witness of the Holy Spirit coming up to us. It will be that still, small voice. Once again, not that we hear with our physical ears, but in our heart. Because the Spirit of God is on the inside of us, it's going to, His leading is going to come up out of our heart and enlighten us and show us what we need to do. And this is how we know, how we can recognize the leading of the Lord. He bears witness. If you are born again, and if I asked you, are you going to heaven? Are you a child of God? You would immediately say, yes, yes, I am. And there would be a witness on the inside of you that would say, yes, you are. He would agree with you. That's the Holy Spirit. He is bearing witness with your testimony. And there would be no way that I could convince you otherwise. No amount of my talking saying you're not really saved, you're not really going to go to heaven. If you have that witness on the inside of you, there's nothing I can say that can convince you otherwise. And that's the way that we need to be. The Holy Spirit is going to bear witness in our heart 
certain things. This is the direction to take. This is the path to walk down. This is the door to walk through. Or this is where we shouldn't go. Don't go this way. Now, what does this witness, for lack of a better term, feel like? It's, once again, it's not about our feelings, but it's about faith, walking by faith in God. The way this works is explained in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. So this is how we discern the leading of the Spirit. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Another version says, let the peace of God act as umpire in your hearts. And what does it mean when it says act as umpire? Well, what does the umpire do in a ball game? He calls the shots, right? So what we need to do is we need to check on the inside of us and see what the Holy Spirit is giving us peace about. Should I go to the left or to the right? Well, let me check. Lord, what should I do? You ask the Lord, and then he's going to give you peace as you examine both directions. He's going to give you peace about one. That's him bearing witness in your spirit that that's the way you should go. And when we commit ourselves to the Lord and trust him to lead us and direct us, and then when we follow his leading, we don't ignore his leading, but we follow him, he is able and willing to keep us, to guard us, to protect us against anything that comes our way. Now, that's not to say that troubles won't come. Sure, things are challenging, circumstances are going to happen to us. It's just a fact of life. But Jesus said in John 16, 33, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In Psalm 34, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Hallelujah. So no matter what challenging situation we may be facing in life, the Lord is going to deliver us out of it when we're committed to him and we're following his direction. When we, once again, going back to what we said earlier, when we completely trust the Lord and we're relying on him, he is the greater one on the inside of us. So we have absolutely nothing to fear when we're trusting the Lord. And it's very important that we do this, that we commit ourselves to the Lord. And so I don't want to assume that everyone listening to this is already committed to the Lord. So if you haven't made that decision today, I want you to do that. Don't wait. Don't wait another day. Just say something like this to the Lord. Father, I commit myself to you. I will follow you all the days of my life. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and he is now seated at the right hand of God. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you for living in me 
Thank you for giving me your Holy Spirit. And thank you for teaching me how to be led by you. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, welcome to the family of God. And if you prayed that prayer before, but you're recommitting yourself to the Lord, praise the Lord. Once again, the Lord is very pleased with you, and he's very glad to have you in his family. So if you have accepted Jesus for the first time, comment on this podcast. And if you have anything, any other comments about it, go ahead, share it with me. I would love to hear what you have to say and what the Lord is sharing with you. So tune in again next time. We're going to continue this teaching on following our Good Shepherd. And we're going to see where the Good Shepherd is going to lead us in our life. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you again next time in the Fortress of Truth.